Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we continue, of course, our study of Paul's letter to his young friend and fellow worker Timothy. We've moved into chapter 3, and we're seeing the characteristics of those who are to be in leadership in a local body. And Paul writes to Timothy, giving instructions on how the church, how the believers are to conduct themselves. And for the last few weeks, we've been seeing characteristics of those in leadership, really the two offices of elder and deacon. We saw the need for leadership. We saw the, discussed the whole uh, aspect of, of the office of elder and deacon, and we began with the elder. And this morning we're continuing now and seeing the deacons, the characteristics of deacons. We realize how important leadership is within the local church. The leaders set the direction. The leaders lead in the ministry. The leaders are examples to the rest of the flock. In fact, the church is looking for leaders, not bosses or fundraisers or entertainers, but leaders. Ryan Morgan says this. He, he's a teacher, and he, said the, he shows the importance of leadership. He says, Christian leadership is a tremendous responsibility involving care of God's flock, which he purchased with his own blood. It requires gifts, an impeccable lifestyle, and a desire to serve. As we look at the characteristics this morning, once again, we're seeing their characteristics of maturity, and our goal is to be mature men and women. So as we go through this, let's look at these characteristics in verses 8 through 13 and see how we measure up. We want to, uh, to have these characteristics in our lives so that we can be mature men and women. So may we be challenged and encouraged to develop these characteristics in our lives. Well, we, we all have heard of the, the term paradox. Paradox is a statement that, that is true, but it, it seems to contradict. In other words, the Bible has a number of those. Think about this in the New Testament. We find rest by coming under the yoke of Jesus Christ. Or we are exalted when we are humbled. We are wise when we become fools for Jesus Christ. We lose our lives, then we gain our lives. When we are weak, that's when we are strong. There is a paradox also dealing with leadership in the body, and that is this. That if you want to be a leader, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to become a servant. You have to become a slave. Leadership in the Bible is servanthood. This morning, we're continuing, of course, our study of these characteristics. And, and, you know, last week was the the issue of elders. What what are they supposed to be like? Deacons, this morning's passage. And as I said, the bottom line is we're looking at this and saying, how can we make application in our lives? There are some of you in this room, there are men in this room, that someday or even now, you're already in a leadership position. Someday you might want to be. So you look at that and say, I want to have those characteristics. But the truth is, for both men and women in this room, we say, listen, most of us aren't going to be in a leadership position in the church. So how can I make application of these truths? And that is to realize that these are marks of maturity. These are characteristics of maturity. We want to do that. We want to be like that. This morning we're seeing these characteristics and we're seeing the leaders, those who are raised up by God to shepherd the flock and oversee the ministries of the body. There are two offices, elders and deacons. We talked about it a little bit last week. We'll go in more detail this time. As we continue this morning, we want to finish looking at characteristics of those who are in leadership. And as I said, we want to make application by saying, do we have these characteristics in our lives? There are two offices. Offices really within the body. There's the elder, the word bishop, overseer, pastor. It's all the same, same position, same office. They handle the spiritual oversight and the teaching. They handle a lot of things. They oversee ministry, but they're especially in the aspect of the teaching and oversight. The word deacon, of course, means servant. It really is the one who stirs up dust, but it means a servant. They handle spiritual and physical aspects of the body. Some people have taught historically that elders do spiritual things and deacons do physical things, but I don't think you'll find that in the scripture. I think as you look at the scripture carefully, you'll see that they have to be mature men spiritual men who do a number of things. Elders do have spiritual oversight and they do most of the teaching, but deacons are spiritual men and they handle spiritual and physical aspects within the body as well. Now, what we saw last time was elders. Let me remind you that they were mature men raised up by God to oversee the, 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 the body as they shepherd the flock. 
And we said that in anybody in leadership, whether it's an elder or a deacon, the, the overarching characteristic is they have to be above reproach. They have to be blameless. We looked at several things. We saw the relationship to self and others above reproach. In maturity, they had to be not new believers. They had to be mature in the faith. In relationship to family, they had to manage their home well. As far as reputation, they had to have a great reputation or a good reputation with those outside the body. And then so in summary, here's how we ended it last week. We said the elder must be morally pure and mature, must manage his home, having his children under control, and have a good reputation. Elders are responsible for seeing the spiritual aspects of the Bible, of the body teaching and spiritual direction. From this, we go to the deacons. And the deacons are responsible for ministry and also the physical aspects of the body. It's both spiritual and physical. Uh, they help oversee ministries. And they have to be spiritually mature men. As we look at this, we're going to make the application by saying, okay, I want to have these characteristics in my life, whether I'm a man or a woman. And that's what we want to see. We're going to look at verses 8 through 13. And as we look at that, three things, once again, we're going to look at the relationship to self and others, the whole idea of maturity and faith, and then we're going to look at the relationship with family. Now, before we get into that, I want you to see something. Hold your place right there in the Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 6, okay? Acts chapter 6, I want you to see an event that happened at the very beginning of the church, and I want to show you how this fits together. And before we really get the characteristics of deacons, we need to just see what, what the deacons might do. Acts chapter 6. As you're turning there, let me remind you what's happened at the very beginning of the church. There were people who, had, as you remember, on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and spoke, there were Jewish people from all over the world there. Many of them trusted Christ. They stayed there. They stayed in Jerusalem or surrounding area. A lot of them didn't even have homes, places to live. And so the church, as the church began to grow, they began to reach out, and they were actually feeding the widows. Well, we're going to find out that an issue happened, that some of the widows felt like they were not getting the food. And so they began to complain, and the word got back to the apostles that some of the widows were upset that they weren't getting food. So the apostles basically said, listen, our role as an apostle is to teach the word of God and to be the leaders in that sense. We really don't have the time to make sure the food is handed out. So what they needed to do was choose some men to hand out the food. Let me show you the passage. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, at this time, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews, Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So apparently, every day that, that some people would come and they'd feed them because they didn't have food, but some were getting left out, and so the word came back. Look at verse 2. So the twelve, that's the apostles, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said... It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now, not that serving tables is bad, but the apostles' responsibility was to actually teach the word. If you remember in Acts 2.42, it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. The apostles were the teachers. They're basically saying, we don't have time to make sure all the food's handed out if we're going to do the teaching. So here's what they decided to do. Therefore, brethren, here's what they said, verse 3. Select from among yourselves seven men of good reputation. Notice these characteristics. Full of the Spirit. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They had to be godly men, spiritual men, and of wisdom. They had to be wise men whom we may put in charge of this task. They said, well, let's choose seven men to make sure they oversee the handing out of the food. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That was the main responsibility of the apostles. The statement found approval within the congregation, with the whole congregation. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and then a guy named Philip and Prochorus and Niacor and Timon. And they list the names. 
these people. And they brought before the apostles, they laid, they laid hands on them, and then they did that job. Some people want to say that this is the forerunner of the deacons. They're never called deacons. They are men that do things that were doing some physical things. Some people have said this, that the apostles were the forerunner of the elders since they did the teaching, and these men right here were the forerunners of the deacons. The Bible doesn't really say that, but it's a possibility that you can look at it that the apostles were responsible for the teaching and the elders in the church are responsible more for the teaching, while the deacons, these men who were chosen here, not necessarily deacons, but they were responsible to make sure things ran well and were taken care of, and sometimes the sense that the deacon does that as well in a local church. So go back to 1 Timothy, and what we can see there is that there were men, godly men chosen to help carry out ministry. And that's what you're going to find when you have elders or deacons. It doesn't make any difference. They are godly men raised up out of the body to help carry out the ministry. And that's what we're seeing. Now, last week we saw the elders. This week we want to see the deacons and we want to see a little bit about them. Let's start first with moral character, okay? Moral character. Notice at verse 8 it says, deacons likewise. And when he says likewise, he says likewise in the same way that we've been talking about elders, here's what they must be like. They must be men of dignity. Now, the word dignity means worthy of respect. It's a positive idea. It's almost the same as being above reproach. It goes back to verse 2 where it says an overseer must be above reproach approach that idea is that uh, that you've got to be worthy of respect that when you said this person's name if you said his name people will go oh yeah oh yeah that's a good man that's the idea of dignity it has an idea of blameless in it and so it's a person of of good moral character worthy of respect there's a second one and that is not double tongued that's really what it says in the greek it has the idea that you say one thing and then you say another thing to be double-tongued, you've heard people say they speak out of both sides of their mouth. That idea is you'll go tell this person this and this and this because you think that's what they want to hear. And then you'll go tell this person this and this. It's probably the opposite of this, but you do that because you think that they want to hear that. A double-tongued person is a person that you can't necessarily trust because you don't know if they're speaking the truth or not. And so double-tongued has that idea that, that they say one thing maybe here and say another thing here. Men in leadership, whether it's elders or deacons, but in this point it's deacons, they must be able to be trusted by what they say. And the truth is this, are we trying to please God or are we trying to please others? If you try to please men, you'll say whatever you think they, they want you to say. If you're trying to please God, you'll speak the truth in love. And so when he says they must be men of dignity, they must not be double-tongued, which means say one thing to one, say one thing to another. And as we look at this in our lives, we'd say we want to be men and women of dignity. We want to not be double-tongued. In other words, we want to be honest. When we say something, we say it and we say what's right and we say the truth. So that's the, that's it. Now, the, here's the third one. The third one is not addicted to much wine. Does that sound familiar? If you go back to verse 3, when it said elders, listen to this, not addicted to wine, deacons not addicted to much wine. So I guess deacons can drink more than elders. I mean, that's the best way some people want to look at that. The idea there, when it says not addicted to wine, means that that alcohol is not an issue. We know in that day and time that people, the, the people drank wine with every meal. In fact, it was very diluted compared to what we'd have now. Most people would drink uh, wine and it was diluted to basically purify their water. There was strong drink and some people drank strong drink. This passage is just saying that a person is going to be in a place of leadership. Alcohol is not going to be their issue. In fact, if a person saying, how much can I drink? That, that already tells you that there's an issue there. So this 
this can be not an issue in your life. And, and, and this doesn't mean people can't drink. You know, when people want to get all upset, the Bible doesn't say people can't drink. The Bible says people are not to get drunk. Uh, you, you have to make a choice yourself. If you're under, if you're underage, it's against the law. It's wrong to drink. If you're over, if you're right, the right age and up, you have to make wise choices as, as a man of God, as a woman of God. How are you going to live and what you're going to do? So be wise in your choices. In this passage, he just says that a person is going to be in a place of leadership. Alcohol is not going to be something he really wants, that he's got to have, literally sits long at the wine. Okay, The fourth one is uh, not fond of sordid gain. All that means is, that sordid gain means dishonest. That means they want money. They want money any way they can get it. This, is, this person who's going to be in leadership can't be that kind of person. They've got to be honest in their dealings, especially in the area of money and material things. So this is the kind of person that you can trust them. Because think about it, if a, a deacon in many churches, the deacons handle the money. They take up the money, they take the money to the bank, they give out the money, they pay them, they do those kind of things. They handle the property, they do those kind of things. A person in this position is going to have to be a person who's not into materialism, who can be trusted with money. We know that in our culture, materialism is just everywhere. We talked about this when we talked about the elders as well because it said, said basically the same thing there. Uh, you know, doesn't have to have materialism, doesn't have to be, have uh, material things. Uh, it's just, it's the truth that our culture just pushes us all the time. How are you concerning material things and money? So many today are caught up in materialism, the pull of money. It is out there. It just pulls us all. Fred Clark said this. He said, modern man works so much to earn money, to buy things that he's too busy to enjoy. Ed Weed is a doctor. He passed away. He was a great, great man, a great Bible teacher, and he was a medical doctor. And he said this, you know, many Americans need plastic surgery. They need their credit cards removed. And that's true for a lot of people, that they're so tied into their credit cards and their money and their things that they want. You know, it's coming up the time of the year in which everybody's saying, what are we going to get for Christmas? What are we going to get this person? What are we going to get this person? Everybody's so worried about things. What people really need is each other, you know. And so the idea of materialism, there's nothing wrong with things. There's nothing wrong with using things for the glory of God. Materialism is that you just got to have things. The deacon must know how to handle money so that money doesn't handle him. This type of person knows how to handle money. And, and we look at our lives. We'd say, are we people of dignity? Are we, do we speak the truth? Are we, is, is alcohol any kind of issue in our lives? How do we, what about money? What about possessions? What about those kind of things? From there, he goes to maturity. And here's what he says is this. He says, holding to the mystery of the faith. Look at verse 9. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. This, what this literally means is they hold to the truths of God's word. The same as an elder. The elder had to do the same thing. Had to live by the Bible. This is not just knowing scripture. This is living by scripture. That's the way it is in life. I mean, we, what, as a person who's going to be in a place of leadership, they got to live by the Bible. When he says the mystery of the faith, he's talking about the truths of the Scripture. There were a lot of things, and the, the New Testament calls some things mysteries, and that means there were things that were not revealed in the Old Testament but have been revealed in the New Testament. And there are things about Christ and his death and his resurrection and the church and the body of Christ and some of the end-time events and those kind of things weren't revealed in the Old Testament. The rapture wasn't revealed, those kind of things. And so he says he's holding to the mystery of the faith, holding to the truths of God's Word. Uh, let me show you something. Look down at verse 16. He says, By coming confession, great is the mystery of godliness. And you know what we're going to see next week? 
Next week, there's a little poem there that Paul wrote. Whether Paul wrote it or whether it was already a famous poem, we don't know. But it talks about Christ. And it calls him the mystery of godliness. Look what it says about Christ. He who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now, we're going to see details on that next week. But that's a poem. He called it the mystery of godliness. We're talking about hanging, holding to the truths of God's word. And so, do you and I have our lives based on the Scripture? I mean, how do we know what's right and wrong? How do we know what we're supposed to do? How do we know how a church is to function? You have to go back to the Scripture. The key for believers, especially those in leadership, they must live their lives by the Bible. And if a person is going to be in a place of leadership in a church, it must be one who holds to the Scripture and lives out the Scripture. For all of us, if we're going to be mature men and women, if we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, we've got to live by the Word of God. Look what he goes on to say in verse 10. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Now it says, notice how it starts. These men must also first be tested. It also goes back to the elders. People in place of leadership have to be tested. Now, let me show you what this tested means. It means to test for the purpose of approval. This doesn't mean that you say to a person, let's say to a man, okay, we want you to be a deacon. Come on, and, and what we're going to do is you're going to be a deacon for six months, and we're going to look at you as you're a deacon, and then we'll, we'll give you like a probation period, and then at the end of that we'll decide whether you get to stay on as a deacon. That's not what it's talking about. The testing uh, uh, happens long before a person is put in a place of responsibility. When it says they must be tested, the Greek means tested for approval. The idea there is that you look at that person life. When a person gets raised up to a position of leadership, whether it's an elder or deacon, it's not that we just say, ooh, we don't even know who this guy is, but he looks like a great leader. No. You have seen that person for a period of time. You've watched their life. And so he says that these men must first be tested. And that idea there is to uh, to be seen. Testing comes about over a period of time. In fact, what it boils down to is you have to have time for people to be able to look at your life to see if you have these characteristics in your life. That's what the testing time is. And so that's why when a person is in a position of leadership in a church, that means there has to have been a time that people looked at their life over a period of time to see that they have these characteristics, and then they're in that position. So it says these men must first be tested, also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons. Now notice the key, if they are beyond reproach. It's the same thing that goes back to verse 2. An overseer then must be above reproach. That's the idea, the overarching thing that a person has that kind of character and that kind of lifestyle and, and these characteristics. Now, one of the things we talked about at the very beginning of the study, which was just a couple of weeks ago uh, as far as the leadership is concerned, you do not get take a person and put them in leadership so they can serve. Because we've talked about this. There are people who say, you know, that's a good man. He's a great man. He's a good businessman. Why don't you put him as an elder or deacon so he can start serving in the church? No, no, no. 
a person must already be serving and using their gifts and talents and be tested before they are placed in leadership in a church. That's what he's been talking about. So it says, uh, these men must, must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Now the next verse, I'm going to skip for a second, and we'll come back to it in just a second because it deals with women, and I'll explain it to you in just a second. Let's go down to verse 12, and this deals with the family. And the bottom line, it's the same statement that we saw last week about the elder a one-woman man. Notice it says, deacons must be husbands of only one wife. If you go back over to uh, chapter 3, verse 2, it says the same thing, the husband of one wife. What this literally means in the Greek is a one-woman type man. It's a man of character who is with one woman, basically the idea. Uh, Some people have said that this means a person can't be divorced. That's not what it says. If if Paul wanted to say a person can't be divorced, there's a Greek word for divorce, and he would have put it in there. This is a characteristic, and all he's saying is you need to be a one-woman type man to be in this place of leadership. And that takes time for some people as as years go by, as they're tested, as they're looked at. So he's just saying that deacons must be husbands of only one wife, means a one-woman type man. Do you hear seem the issues that he hit on in this section? He's hit on on alcohol, money, and women. That's three. That's three things that he hit on. Because that's the areas that men are affected by, by alcohol, money, and women. And he says, if you're going to be a man in leadership in a local church, you must have these characteristics. And as far as the wine is concerned or the alcohol, can't mean anything to you. As far as money is concerned, you're saying, listen, materialism, I, I mean, things are fine, but I don't have to have them. And as far as women are concerned, you have to be a one-woman type man. That's the key. That's what he's talking about. So uh, he he says this. So he says, um, uh, deacons must be husbands of only one wife and, and he goes on and he gives us a second aspect there. And look what it is. It's good managers of children and household. Notice what he says. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. It's the same thing that we saw last time for elders. It says he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. It is important that a man, if he's going to be in a place of leadership, manages his household. He is the provider protector. He knows about the bills. He's taking care of things. He doesn't mean he has to write the checks and all that, but he's got to know what's going on, what's coming in, what's going out. He's got to manage his children, his family, all of those kind of things. That's why when a person is considered for a position of leadership, one of the places that has to be looked at is the family and the home and how they are. Because remember it says back in verse 5 of chapter 3, if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So a man must be able to take care of his own household. These men are called servants. They have to be spiritual men. There's leadership and responsibility. It belongs to those who are growing and maturing in the body. Let me just say something. When we talk about maturity, I would say for all of us in this room that we're all in a process of going on to maturity. I really don't like to say this person is mature. What I like to say is this person is continuing on in maturity because I think the goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and we don't reach that. We're not going to be exactly like Christ because he's perfect, and we're in a process of becoming conformed to the image of Christ, so we're in a process of maturing. And so these are maturing people. So when we look at these characteristics, all of us in this room, we could look at them and say, okay, these are characteristics of maturing people, of people who are growing, of people who, are, who have character. We want to be like this. So in summary, what we have seen is in relationship 
In fact, I think I, I don't know if I have it back here or not. Do I? Yeah, in relationship to self and others, they're self-controlled and morally pure as far as faith is concerned, holding to the word as far as relationship to the home. They're a one-woman type man. They manage their home and children. They all do all of those things. These men need to be examined over a period of time to see if these are true and then placed in responsibility. Now, from there, let's go back to the verse we skipped, verse 11. Notice it says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Well, here's the question. Who are these women? What are the, I mean, right in the middle of talking about the deacons, it suddenly says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Well, there's two possibilities of what he could be talking about, okay? One, he could be talking about the wives of the deacons. Or he could all of a sudden start talking about women who are deacons, which is a deaconess. Deaconesses. Okay? It could be. Now let's talk about it for a second. The word that he's used here is the word, you ready for this? The word for woman in the Greek is gune. Okay? Don't call your wife a goonie, but it's gune. Okay? And it's the Greek word for woman. It's the word that is used here. Most of the time it is used for woman or wife. And so many people believe that he's now talking about the wives of those men, those deacons who are in leadership. There's another possible view that maybe he's now switching to an office that women could hold, which he's saying women, and he's meaning deaconesses. Because the word deacon, you can say deacon or deaconess, which one is masculine and one is feminine. The Greek words can be that way. Deaconess is a female servant, just like deacon is a male servant. That's just what the words mean. So some people say they're either talking about the wives of the deacons or they're talking about deaconesses. Now, by the way, if, if you look at it, in the, the you, you could take it either way. When you look in the Greek, it could be either way to take it. But most likely, because he uses the word gune, he could have put the female or the feminine word for deacon in there if he was going to now suddenly talk about deaconesses. I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's talking about the wives. And I think what he's saying is if a man's going to be in a place of leadership – the wife that's with him needs to be a certain way as well. That's all he's talking about. It, the New American Standard translates it women. The King James can, translates it wives of deacons. And the NIV translates it their wives. So they all taking it as if it's the wives of the deacons. That, that probably is the best way. Now notice, this is what he says about these women. They must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. So four things that he lists. Dignified. Now the word dignified, that's exactly the word that's used back in verse 8 when it says, Likewise, men, they must be men of dignity. That means above reproach. The second word is not gossips. And it says not malicious gossips. And the word gossip, you know, it means to slander, to talk. Malicious gossip, that Greek word has an idea of slandering somebody, talking about someone. Men and women are all guilty of this. In this passage, he's talking about the women, and he says they do not need to be gossips. They need to be temperate. Temperate means a proper perspective on life. You remember we saw that back over there under elders, which knows what's best. And they look at life and say, this is good and this is best. And then the last thing is that they're faithful. In fact, he says faithful in all things. They need to be maturing women in the same way that those men are. So in summary, deacons need to be above reproach, faithful, manage the home, good, rep good reputation with others. Elders oversee the spiritual aspects as well. Deacons do spiritual and physical. And then he closes with an encouragement. Notice what he says, verse 13. This is the results. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith and in Christ Jesus. Now let me just say this. When he says those who have served well, everything you do 
you should do well. Colossians three seventeen. whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for the glory of God. And so he says that those who have served well, which is what we're supposed to do in everything, he says, look what happens. Go to the next. They receive a high standing and boldness in the faith. Now, when it says they have served well, they obtain for themselves a high standing. The word high standing literally means honored by God and men. When a person fulfills a responsibility in leadership and they do it well, they're honored by God and by men. The second thing is they have boldness in the faith. That has the idea of knowing and understanding the truths of the Bible. And so the result of a man serving well is that he's honored by God and men. When he stands before God, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Before men, people say, good job. And then he also has great confidence or really boldness in the faith. He stands for the word of God and lives it out, stands for the truth. So in summary, you have two offices, elder and deacon, spiritual and physical aspect. They're mature men raised up by God to serve within the, serve, the, the body of Christ. They're above reproach. They're morally pure. They manage their home and children. They're faithful. They are uh, mature people, and they have a good reputation. So think about your life. How are you doing in these areas? When you look at the characteristics, both whether you go back to elder or deacon, how do we, how are we men and women, how are we doing as we make application in our lives? For these men, as they were the characteristics, they were tested, and then they were put in positions of leadership. I want you to understand that Timothy is left in Ephesus. You remember Paul left him there? And he left him there to appoint elders and deacons to put men in places of leadership because some of the leadership there, if you remember, were teaching false things. We saw that back in chapter 1. So Paul is basically telling Timothy, you've got to move those guys out and move the right kind of men in. You think it's going to be easy for Timothy to do that? Not going to be, but he's got he's got the word of God as his basis. That's really powerful. What have we seen? Characteristics of elders and deacons. We've seen the mature men who serve within the body, and that is the goal for all of us. Not necessarily a position of leadership, but maturity. So let's do this application. Let's examine our own lives, both men and women. How do we measure up to the characteristics that we see, these marks of maturity? Because we want to be mature. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We look at ourselves, We look at our faith. We look at our family. We look at our reputation. As far as ourself, we want to be men and women of moral character and self-control. As far as our faith, we want to hold to the Word of God and we want to be growing. As far as our family is concerned, if you're a, if you're a man, you want to manage your household. If you're the woman, you want to love your husband and your children and all those kind of things. Uh, we want to be faithful, godly people. And and then reputation, both within and outside the body, we want to be above reproach. That means for us to do that, you've got to know the word and apply the word. You've got to live it out. You've got to base your life on the scripture. That's what he talks about. Second application is serve within the body of Christ. As believers, are you using your gifts and talents to serve within the body of Christ? Remember, in this passage, you're seeing men who have been raised up to serve within the body, and they're raised up to be elders and deacons. But every one of us in this room have different gifts, talents, and abilities. We have the privilege and responsibility to serve within the body of Christ. We're to equip the saints to do the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So here's the question. Are you faithful to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to you to serve within the body? Where are you serving now? What are you doing? What lives are you touching in that way? So that's a good one. Uh, You know, there may be some men in this room who say, you know, one day I would love to be in a position of leadership. That's great. 
continue to grow so that you can have these characteristics for all of us. We want to have these characteristics so we can be mature people. The last thing is this, is pray for those in leadership. Pray for the leadership of Countryside. We've got great men who are elders and deacons in this church. Pray for them. Uh, we're going to have some congregational meetings coming up, and we'll be adding some more men to the to the board, which means elders and deacons and those kind of things. Uh, that is going to be on Wednesday nights. Um, I, I've forgotten the dates, but it's uh, it's. A, a week from this Wednesday will be our first congregational meeting. So if you'd love to come to that, we'd love to have you there and that you can pray for the people who go in these positions of leadership. May we understand the characteristics of those who are to be in leadership. And then may we seek to become mature men and women as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, may we examine our lives, men and women, look at ourselves and our faith and our families and our reputations. We want to continue to grow to be mature people and becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, having the characteristics of what we see in 1 Timothy 3. Lord, thank you for that. And may we take the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've given to us, and Lord, in the same way that these, these men were to be leaders in a church and serve that way, would you use us to serve within this body whatever gifts, talents, and abilities that we have. Lord, thank you for the leaders that we have in our church. Thank you for the elders and the deacons. We continue to pray for them, and thank you for raising up godly men to take leadership as they shepherd the flock and oversee the body and all of these things. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.